0: Welcome to episode 150 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. This episode was recorded on Sunday, 19th of February, 2017.
1: The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast is brought to you by Jensen USA, where you'll always find a great selection of products at amazing prices with unparalleled customer service. For more information, just go to JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. And now, for a limited time, new customers to Jensen USA who are referred by The Spokesman get 10% off one item. Simply enter The Spokesman, no spaces, at checkout. Hey everybody, it's David from the Fredcast Cycling Podcast at thefredcast.com. I'm the host and producer of The Spokesman Cycling Roundtable Podcast. For show notes, links, and other information, simply go to our website at the. Hi there,
0: I'm Carlton Reed of BikeBiz.com and you're listening, can you believe this, you are listening to show 150 of the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable. We have been around for an awfully long time. We've been around for now going on for 10 years. Now I'm going to introduce the the people that we have in a second around this show. I'm going to start with somebody who has been around uh, for pretty much the whole time. She's, she's dipped in and out, as, as have many people have dipped in and out. But uh, Donna, you have been with us uh, pretty much from that uh, well show, show one or two.
2: Well, hello. That's quite uh, quite an introduction. Thank you. I love my time here in The Spokesman, and I know I'm not here as often as I would like to be, but I consider myself a lucky gal when I am. And um, yes, I remember The Spokesman when it was just me as the only gal, and mm-hmm. now I'm so excited we have so many more. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here this morning. Okay, now what we are gonna
0: to do today, Donna, and everybody else knows this, oh. is we are gonna give a brief, we're not doing a, a Tim three-hour, you know, CV. <laughs> we are doing a brief thumbnail sketch of of who we are and what we do. So you, Donna, who you, can, are. You, can, you can tell us of your real life what you do.
2: My real life, what I do, well, the reason why I'm on the spokesman from the from the beginning is I spent nine years of my career in the cycling industry at Kryptonite Lock. And find it to be one of the best times of my, my professional career. And um, also I'm an event organizer. And now I head corporate communications and digital for a um, insurance company out of central New York called Ut- Utica National Insurance. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to go
0: down in order, not seniority, but in order of maybe the most times I've been on the show. So the next one, the next oldest, the next veteran. Of our show would be Jim. Hello there, Jim.
3: Oh, that's me. Wow. It's you. That's
0: Tell us about what yourself, I'm Jim.
3: I'm um, a phenomenal uh, uh, bike rider, both mountain <laughs> and road. Um, you've seen me probably all my videos online. Um, the, the, those jump
0: videos where you like jumping yes. over stuff and
3: yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, I was able to do the curb in front of my driveway <laughs> yesterday. Um, it was pretty awesome. All the little kids in the neighborhood showed up to watch.
0: Uh, <laughs> I, I would watch that, Jim. I would definitely yes. watch that.
3: Well, the betting board was the discouraging thing. Uh, most of the kids were betting against me, and most of them made money that way. Uh, Jim Moss, I'm actually an attorney. I specialize in the outdoor recreation legal issues of the world. Um, and cycling is outdoors most of the time sure is uh thank you
0: jim and uh i'm gonna say the next one in seniority with uh, times on the show would be chris chris garrison hi there chris
4: (laughs) hey carlson that's i'm not sure i fit into the seniority category (laughs) yet. this is i think my third or fourth show um but but thanks for thanks for throwing me that uh that little gem Um, So, yeah, I'm Chris Garrison. I'm the director of business development at a strategic consultancy called Amechi Performance Systems, which essentially goes in and fixes leadership and culture issues in corporations, which may not sound like it has any direct correlation to cycling at all. And that's because it doesn't. Um, You
0: have been in the trade before, though.
4: I spent over a decade in the trade. Yes, uh, the last several years of which were working for a major cycling manufacturer that begins with a T An
0: end and the...
4: uh, ends with K. Mm-hmm. E. And during that time, I, um, I, I opened my mouth a lot and words fell out of my face that were sort of in the category of, uh, general industry commentary. And that's pretty much what, what I like can... doing now. What?
3: On T K. <laughs> T. How many letters in the middle? <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's not specialized. Are, Put it that way. There are four letters in total. Yeah, it's a it's a, a a company located in the upper midwestern part of the United States.
3: Hold on, Google Maps. Where's Google Maps? <laughs> yeah. While yeah. Jim
0: is working out a four-letter word beginning with T, ending in K, in Wisconsin, um, we'll go to Asia. Asia, hi there. So, Aisha, tell us about yourself. That's what we're doing. We're we're doing a thumbnail sketch.
5: Okay. Uh, I live in California. I'm from the East Coast, around the New York greater area. And I race bikes, and I want to become the first ever African American female professional road
0: racer. That's my, that's my thing. That's what I do. Beautiful. And the bike you ride, you're giant, yeah? <laughs> Not even close. <laughs> um, I ride Cannondale. Yeah. Oh, I do apologize. And, that is and
5: always have.
0: I, get you know, I what? Giant. Why am I? I'm. I'm always confusing myself with you. I
4: do uh-huh. apologize. <laughs> sure.
2: uh, Jim, are... Jim, For, for those of you keeping track, Jim. That starts with a C and ends with an E. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And it but has
4: more not. than two letters in the middle. <laughs>
0: That's a long one. Aisha, you're in California, so we, we, we see on the news that California is getting what well, what us Brits uh, get all the time, and that's rain. So what's it like yeah. there at the moment?
5: Um, well, my favorite route is no longer because the rain has washed out like a connector um, that will allow me to make it a loop. So now if I want to do the three bears, which is a pretty big um, well-known loop around here, I have to climb the three bears... And then climb them in reverse to get home. It's not like a nice, neat little loop anymore because the rain has been washing out roads. And there's like they're closing down routes because of falling boulders Mm -hmm. and like down trees or, you know, you never know what's open these days. You kind of have to check around the network and see what you can actually ride. Mm -hmm. Real exciting
0: stuff. Well, I'm kind of bringing that in uh, because we have had. In, in pro cycling, we have had a, an apocalyptic event in the, the, the Tour of Amman, the great puddle apocalyptic of the Tour sounds of Amman. Like a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who has seen the video of uh, our excellent bike handling uh, pro riders not quite managing to uh, get over a puddle?
3: I, I, I saw the video and, and yeah, after it. this, I'm applying for my license. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so, so the, the, I think it's worth saying that the video in question is all of about seven seconds long. Yeah, very
0: so, short. So
5: maybe <laughs> and, there was and something beforehand.
4: Three, yeah, three or four of those seconds are the, the big group of riders that made it through the puddle successfully without incident. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I didn't see the video. I did see photos and I thought I was missing something because the headline was, you know, that riders went down in a flood. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was confused. But I didn't see the video, so I will preface my comments with that. But by seeing the pictures, I would say puddle as well.
5: I feel like we didn't get good angles because maybe maybe it was like the camera <laughs> angle that mm. made it not really show the full scope of the flooding. I think I think we just weren't there, so we were missing something.
4: Yeah, but mm. I, you, you say that, and I, I will agree with you that perhaps that the, the video clip that you can see takes away some of the, the depth of the puddle. As you can see it extends all the way across the road but it looks it rather short shallow but uh, shallow but, and short yeah, yeah but mm-hmm. and it's the road is it should be it should also be said that the road is perfectly dry right before the puddle and perfectly dry right after the puddle
5: it's so gotta get through the
4: puddle it's <laughs> really about the yeah, getting through the puddle again most of which this was a domino incident to be sure one guy on the far right. left hand side of the peloton had his wheels come out from under him, and he essentially took out everybody to his right and behind him as a result of that. So, and it just happened to be in,
2: in a puddle,
4: and it happened to be in a puddle that several other people successfully negotiated their way through. <laughs> so it's a And That makes the me thing, wonder yeah? if it had anything to do with the puddle at all. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think somebody panic braked and uh, hit on his overinflated tires, mm-hmm. and he went down like Frasier. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I was all
2: ready to talk about the, you know, I clicked on the link because, as most people know, we have show notes, even though sometimes it doesn't seem like we do, but we do. And um, I was all ready to go on the, you know, the event organizer route and say, you know, that the event planners really needed to have the safety of their riders on. And then <laughs> I clicked and I was <laughs> a puddle.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the great flood isn't quite the great flood, but you're right. It's basically it's, something has caused a crash. There just happens to be a puddle there. And it's been headlined as a flood. Okay.
2: Now, I would say that what Asia has going on out there
4: is a flood. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, when you have to start route planning Mm. to avoid um, chunks of road that are no longer there and landslides, that is a bit more apocalyptic than there there being an errant puddle in the middle of the desert.
3: Mm
5: -hmm. It's
4: inconvenient, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, we're going to stay on. Just, oh, Jim, the what person who's actually doing the writing gets away with inconvenient. The rest of us are hiding in bomb shelters. So you
5: know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm complaining about rain. I mean, the rain isn't that bad this week, but I feel like a sugar cube nonetheless. Mm. I've been on there hiding inside myself. So I'm going to go out today, though. I'm going to do it. I'm going to. It's not going to be okay. Come
2: on, think of your New York roots. You can yeah. do it. <laughs>
0: think we're going to stay on racing uh but this time racing this is kind of racing but in a a a parliamentary setting in that uh former pro rider nicole cook was uh before the commons uh, culture media sport committee uh, a wee while ago and she she said a few home truths about uh, british cycling the the metal factory Um, and Chris, you were the one who, who put this in the, in the show notes. So I'm guessing you feel strongly about this. Did you feel her, her, her testimony before the, that committee was, was really strong and puts British cycling and some, potentially some executives at British Cycling and some coaches at British Cycling in a, in a, in a bad light?
4: I think uh, there's no other way to describe it than, than that she, she successfully managed to cast some light on what is re- being revealed to be a rather dark environment. And what's interesting about her testimony is that she submitted written testimony to the committee before she actually appeared. Her appearance was part of a number of appearances by various people within the sport. Um, who went before the committee to provide oral testimony uh, about their inquiry into whether or not um, doping is actually something that is problematic in the sport of cycling. And and because uh, you can see all of these um, testimonies before these select committees by watching them online, then it was possible to go see David Brailsford speak and it was possible to see Shane Sutton speak. And um, Nicole was training or, or off coaching, I think, in Europe somewhere, so she appeared via video connection but it was possible to watch it and I think that she did an amazing job of staying reserved in her oral testimony and I think she really let most of the words in her written testimony do the talking for her and both halves of her testimony could really only be classed as um, a scathing indictment of the environment within British Cycling and why I'm mentioning this on the show is because this is in no way isolated to just what's happening here in the UK. This is something that exists within every cycling federation, I think. Um, and, and this is something that is the, the documentation of these stories of abuse within cycling, particularly directed at women, are are well known by now to anyone who's paying attention. Um the the thing that was so so damning about Nicole's testimony is that she was one of the things she was particularly highlighting was was less so the doping issue and more so the fact that the funding for British cycling comes from the public purse. And this is why I, I wanted to mention it on the show because I think it was a really important thing to take note of in which is the idea that taxpayer money is being spent on a program that, intentionally institutes sexism within that community. Um, and this is something that, that I think she drove home with, uh, with a great degree of alacrity. So, yeah, it's uh, a... And, and, Small
3: words it, here for some of us.
4: Sorry. Um, do the, I mean, she, it, it, she dropped the knowledge. How about that?
0: Do, I mean, the, the, the defense has been from British Cycling is almost, yeah, yeah, yeah but look at the medals we've got the medals. And that's like, that kind of is is a supposed to, I don't want to use this word too much, but that's supposed to trump everything else that goes before it. If that, if we win the medals, okay, the the methods we use are irrelevant. We've got the medals. Do you think any of that, Chris, will change from Nicole's testimony or do you think we're going to add just the same old, same old?
4: I think that the the problem with that, Carlton, I'm going to, I'm going to not answer that question directly for, for a second just because I have – I'm particularly passionate about this idea that we should put um, medal halls ahead of the well-being of athletes and that the only way to successfully win a bunch of medals at world championship and Olympic level is to institute – a coaching methodology that puts athletes in peril and then casts a on athletes that are labeled as those that can't hack it if mm. they decide that they actually want to maintain their mental well-being while they're putting themselves into the hurt locker in order to achieve results. This is, this is exactly the sort of thing that, that we wouldn't tolerate if it was in an educational setting. We would not tolerate a teacher uh, abusing and chastising a student in order to make them perform at, at the top of their game for the best grades. So why is it that we're willing to accept that in an athletic environment? It is, it is unacceptable. It should be unacceptable. And it is incredibly disingenuous to think that the only way to achieve success is through a system that makes people feel bad, who are willing to do whatever it takes to win.
0: Aisha, you've, you've, <coughs> obviously you're on the, the women's racing scene, and you potentially get this... From two angles, in that, you, you, I'm, I'm just thinking that you might get this, but there potentially is some sexism going on. There's potentially also racism going on. Do you have any of those things happen to you? Without naming names, without naming exact stuff that happens, but just in general?
5: Um, I think sexism is the more obvious one. Um, it's more prevalent for me. I have not had any, like, sexual misconduct happen to me, thankfully. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I honestly don't – I can't say what I would do in that situation. There is a lot of pressure in the racing scene, but it seems like people are speaking out more. Um, In the States, Missy Erickson came out about it not too long ago, and now they're launched – it says that USA Cycling is actually going to open an investigation into it, which I'm a little surprised by, to be honest. And that makes me sad that I'm surprised by it. It's the right thing to do. But Mm. it seems like these types of things have been happening for years and years and years. And there was just never, like, who do you go to? There was never a system in place. And it's already so hard to be a a professional cyclist for women that you kind of just do whatever you need to do to get it done and to achieve those goals. And the people in charge have – it seems like they just have so much power over you that you don't really – Mm. have anywhere to turn or anywhere to um, complain to if you need to or want to. Um, yeah, pa- power is
0: um, a good way of describing that because that's definitely <laughs> what um, Nicole was talking about. The, the, that word is, is very good. It's the, it's the power that these people can wield.
5: Well, yeah, and um, that
4: power is denial of opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, exactly. Um,
5: Bicycling Magazine has put out a survey where they've asked people to um, answer some questions about this type of thing. Like if you've ever experienced emotional abuse, sexual misconduct, non-sexual misconduct, and they're trying to like look into it, I guess. I mean, they're a magazine, but it's the first instance where I've seen somebody actually trying to figure out how big of a problem is this. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas like, we know it's a big problem, but it has never really been investigated. Mm
4: -hmm. Um, it's one and of those one of things. The... That, well, it's it's difficult to measure it, isn't it? It's you know, it's yeah. it's obvious that it happens. There are lots of people that it's that it's likely happening to right now, but they have ambition mm-hmm. and they exactly. want to do well, and as a result of that, they they will they will put up with it. I would encourage everyone to read Bridie O'Donnell's article on a uh, the women's side of cycling tips, and I'll stick a link in the notes about yeah, it. But yeah, please do. She she talks about her own her own personal story after listening to a recent interview of um, Genevieve Jeanson, the Canadian who was you know, back in the day was, was the best at everything. And as it turns out, she's been banned from the sport for life because of doping use. But then you find out that her doping use was really forced on her Mm. by her coach, who she was also in a relationship with and it was, who was abusing her at the same time.
0: That's complex. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah, And, and you mentioned, you know, that it's a magazine and it's only a magazine, but, as we've learned recently, for those of us in the US, the media is a very powerful tool. Yeah, So sure. if, you know, and sometimes it needs to be the media that, that puts the light on some of these things. And if, they, if they're if they willing to do that, then I applaud them for, for trying and for oh, starting the cool. conversation.
0: Okay, um, it's a big subject. It will go on and on and on, I'm sure. Um, there'll be more stuff will we'll, we'll come out on these things. Uh, but I would like to go on to another topic, but it's it kind of, in some ways, it's it's part related. And that's something that uh, Jim brought up. Uh, uh, Jim, do you want to talk about this? This is the, the Armstrong, Lance Armstrong, of course. It's um, going to go on, on trial and uh, uh, they're going to try and get the money back. Um, but that the bet, I mean, you put in the show notes here, but the bets are that he will actually win. So where are you coming from here, Jim?
2: He's well, like a bad penny. He doesn't go away. He's.
3: he's oh, with I'm us. sorry, Don't did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. If you really want me to go away, Donna, I'll go. <laughs>
2: no, not you, not you.
3: <laughs> oh, oh, I get confused. Um, Yeah, this is sort of interesting, but it's obviously, uh, last week a mess of motions were filed by both parties. Uh, the, the plaintiffs, the U.S. Postal Service to win and, and Lance Armstrong and um, who say that the case should be dismissed the judge denied everything so the so the case is set for trial i think it's going to be in august right now and it sort of it's popped up on the media again um since it's going to trial but now it's also popped up in the legal media um and you're and you're getting actual people looking who have followed the case and looking at the case and taking a good look at it and saying you know it Lance Armstrong is going to win. He's going to win for a couple things. Um, you get one person on the, on the jury that's, that's uh, had cancer, and mm. everything that Lance has done for cancer is mm. going to be a major factor. Um, and the legal issue that people are saying is that he's got in his ballpark is they can't prove any damages. That, that what the Postal Service got out of what he did far exceeds mm. what they paid him. And so consequently, there are no damages that are actually owed. Mm-hmm. So uh, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. It's, it's going to be boring as sin. And whatever you guys see on uh, the Internet or on TV or whatever about the trial, remember that's all entertainment until the jur- final jur- verdict comes down. Um, and there may be a settlement um, going forward. I'm not sure. Uh, but there's an awful lot of money involved. I mean, it's either going to be... At this point, it's going to be bankruptcy oh. and, you know, they sift through what's left or or a complete win. Um, we'll go from there. But it's quite interesting. It's it's now to the point, like I said, it's got the legal journalists looking at it. So. And
0: how, Jim, how it's can cool. he get a fair trial considering he's been on Oprah, he's been on all these things? We know his story. There's been films about the guy. How can a guy like that actually, whatever we think about him, how can he get a fair trial when when people assume they know his whole story?
3: Because there's so many people who really don't. As big as we think we are in the in the world, the cycling world, we're still really tiny, you know. And there are people out there who honestly don't know who Lance Armstrong is. They get up every morning, they go to work, they come home, they find out who the president is, they wonder if they voted, and then they go to bed.
4: Hey Jim, just out of curiosity, is this a sort of trial where the jury would have gone through a voir dire?
3: Oh yeah. There'll be... I suspect that they're already looking at, at hiring uh, experts to start studying possible jury pools, what kind of jurors they're going to get. And then um, they'll have jurors fill out a questionnaire. It's a federal trial, so the actual voir dire where the attorneys ask the, uh, the actual jurors' questions will be fairly short, probably only a half hour to an hour, I'm guessing. But they'll fill out sometimes 30-, 40-, 50-page questionnaires going through all sorts of stuff about their life. And then wow. they probably have jury consultants. Um, these are people who are, are a lot of them have law degrees and who have um, psychology or PhDs, doctor's of psychology, um, mm-hmm. who actually looking at what they fill out will come up with, this person will be the best type of person you want on this jury.
4: And watching uh, for micro expressions and everything else oh, that yeah. uh, indicates some sort of, uh, unconscious bias
0: yes and whether they've Uh, got shaved legs underneath their their trousers that kind of stuff (laughs) and and cyclists yeah i've
4: been i've been thinking about this and um i'm really glad to have jim's perspective on this from the legal standpoint because on the surface i think it as much as i hate to say it i think that i'm i'm a little bit on lance's side about this particular issue i think I'd, i'd feel better about it if i could actually see some numbers from the Postal Service about you know what sort of gains they may have had as a result of the sponsorship of the team. I I saw something after a quick Google search that said that they 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 essentially got 140 million dollars worth of um, PR gain out of the sponsorship of the team. Um, that being said, I'm totally with Jim about I, I have I, I can't see how they lost income as a result of a post-retirement confession. It's not like hordes of people held them accountable and stopped sending letters as a form of protest, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, and, and you know, and it's not like there wasn't existing evidence of an issue of doping within the sport of cycling while they were signing away all those big checks. Is there so, a way to? Guys, the damaging of a brand like
5: that was well, yeah, like that. They said that it was like damage to their brand. Like yeah, you, that
4: that much you could you could probably extrapolate when by looking at profit and loss numbers that happened immediately following the confession. And that's the thing that I I just don't. I think that would be extremely difficult to actually prove in court. For one thing, because his confession happened years later, and by that point, the postal service was already taking hits because of things like email and and other. Parcel sending services that that are a lot faster and cheaper than the postal service, so i I think that you'd have a really hard time trying to prove that the reason why the Postal service was losing money was because Lance went on t v with Oprah and said that he you know he, he didn't want to embarrass his kids
0: mm. so isn't the I framing think- them they're, they're just the way they framed this case is is the weakness they could have done it in other ways, Jim or is it? They had to do it this way. This is is the only way they could have done it. And so that's an inherent weakness.
3: Yes. There's not much else they could do with this case. Um, You you know, and and what we've totally forgotten is whether or not Floyd is actually still part of this case. Um, And I think he is. But, of course, he's sort of buried in the wayside because who's jumped on finally? Um, But, yeah, that's the issue. What damages were actually done? Floyd mm-hmm. may get some money out of it because Floyd may have a, a different take. But Floyd's amount of money that he's going to get is is going to be write a check out of the account versus, you know, I have to liquidate houses and stuff. So, um, But, yeah, there's not much more the Postal Service could do. They have the best thing going um, that they can, and, and that's the only case they got. Mm-hmm.
4: And how much in taxpayer money is being spent on this trial? That's, you know. Well,
2: you know, it's funny as I was thinking that as you all were talking is that one, like Chris said, what are the numbers that they feel they lost versus what they're spending on this trial? And what you're talking about is the, you know, the jury consultants and all and the lawyers and the depositions and, you know, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Is it worth it?
3: Well, we spent fifty or thirty million dollars to get Lance out of professional cycling. That's how much the United States Anti-Doping uh, Organization spent uh, in in legal fees. Thirty million dollars uh, in legal fees and other fees associated with getting him out of this of professional cycling. Um, so so now you know the value of the egos involved. I don't know what Lance's side was. That was what we paid as taxpayers to to do this. And so I suspect that at this point in time, we're probably getting pretty close to the hundred million dollar mark in total, chasing Lance Armstrong around. Wow!
4: Good grief! Goodness <laughs> me! <say. sighs> that is just nuts.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, before we go there, Jim, you've got a,
3: a quick plug for his podcast. <laughs> well, I, yeah, in looking at, you know, what was going on in the trial, I stumbled across the fact that Lance has a podcast now. It's called the underscore forward underscore pod, podcast, although um, the website is just the forward podcast. Yeah. It's, it's, I actually listened to the latest one where he was talking with this uh, film director, uh, documentary film director, about drugs, uh, but mostly with eating disorders and, and, um, you know, non prescription prescription drug type of di- issues. But it sort of went all over the place. Um, it was obvious that there were a lot of people in the room uh, based on what they said, so it was being professionally done. It was, it was well done. The, the audio was perfect. Um, and it was interesting. I mean, it, I, I only listened to half of it, 20 minutes or so. Was it great? I have no clue. But it was quite interesting, that's for sure. Mm.
0: Well, Poacher turned gamekeeper, all that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> no matter what you think of him, he's going to be an interesting person.
3: Yeah, it's it caught me off guard.
4: Mm. Okay. I still uh, question the use of the term interesting, though. I'm still still trying to figure out if... Well, interesting doesn't mean... He's a wonderful, shining no. example
0: of of uh, sociability. But it does mean it's somebody w- is intriguing and is in- interesting in wanting to listen to him.
4: It's Even if you want to ho- throw something it's, it's, at the radio. Yeah, it's a Trojan horse word.
0: Mm. And
4: we have a great example of a Trojan horse word here in the UK, Carlton, and that's the word nice.
0: <laughs> okay.
4: It, well, nice, is I some- to- nice is something that you say to somebody who's just... Mm, giving you nice. a terrible Christmas present that mm. you know that you're going to re-gift to somebody that you don't like. Mm-hmm. But it could also be you've just had the best piece of lemon drizzle case, cake you've ever eaten and you want to express that in the best way possible. Mm-hmm.
2: So that's what, what interesting is, is to me. Yeah, what I found with Jim said is that, you know, he had perfect audio and, you know, you're trying to tell us something, Jim.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: Dog whistling. <laughs>
3: oh, that was excellent. <laughs> okay.
0: On, on that note, folks, we are going to cut to a commercial break, and we'll be back in a minute.
1: Hey, everybody. Sorry to interrupt the show, but this is David, and I wanted to jump in and tell you about this week's show sponsor. And, of course, it's none other than Jensen USA at JensenUSA.com slash The Spokesman. Jensen USA is the place where you will find everything, nearly everything at least, for your cycling lifestyle, whether it's road biking, mountain biking, commuting, fitness, you name it, they've got what you're looking for, and all of those products are available at incredible prices, and most importantly, something that we've all come to crave here in 2016, 2017, unparalleled customer service. That's because if you call or email Jensen USA, you're not just going to get some customer support rep who really doesn't understand you and your cycling life. No, these are gear advisors and gear advisors are cyclists just like you and me and they live the cycling lifestyle and they've tried so much of the products that are available on Jensen USA and they've got amazing training. They're there to help you. They can tell you what works and what doesn't which products go together and which don't. And you can tell them a little bit about what you're looking for, and they can definitely point you in the right direction. And on top of all of that, Jensen is offering new customers who are referred to them by the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast one, uh, one item at 10% off. So, I mean, you know, don't go use that on a water bottle. Go buy a bike. Go buy a new suspension for it. Buy something expensive. Now, Some brands don't participate in promotions. And so if you see a message in your checkout that says no qualifying items in cart, go back and find something that qualifies. And then when you check out, simply enter the code Spokesman" no spaces, plural, at checkout, and you'll get 10% off one qualifying item. That's JensenUSA, J-E-N-S-O-N, USA.com slash Spokesman. And even if you just call him, would you do us a favor and let him know that you heard about Jensen right here on the Spokesman Cycling Roundtable podcast. Our thanks, our great thanks to Jensen USA for supporting the Spokesman and our thanks to you for supporting Jensen USA. And now, back to the show.
0: And we are back with show 150 of the Spokesman wow. Roundtable podcast. We've got Donna, we've got Chris, we've got Aisha, and we've got Jim. And I'm going to go to Jim, because he introduced this. Well, he's, no, I wouldn't say he introduced this, in that this was a, a topic that came up, bubbled up uh, on a variety of trade websites um, last week. But uh, because he goes to this, one of the particular shows here, and he's a, an expert, we're going to get him to talk about it, but that is... That interbike is ruling out Utah, so they are saying we ain't going to go to Salt Lake City and then when you start digging down the the Salt Lake City convention center, uh outdoor retailer, which has been in Salt Lake City forever uh is is talking about well it's, it's certainly having problems with Utah itself, and that's because of the Utah the state's stance on on public land. So tell us more Jim, what's what's going on there between the two
3: shows? Well, there's it's quite interesting. There are a total of four shows in the outdoor recreation industry. There's the ski show that 7 years ago left Las Vegas and moved to Denver. There's the Winter and the Summer Outdoor Retailer show which 20 years ago left Reno and moved to Salt Lake City. And there's Innerbike which is the bike show and is in Vegas in September. So it, Utah has Is one of the most beautiful states uh, for exotic, unreal uh, rock and mountain features that have turned into many national parks, probably, I think, more than any other state. And just recently, two more national monuments were created to preserve this land. The state of Utah has always inconsistently fought national parks, fought federal lands, and believes that they should be able to drill... And, and do whatever they want with the lands to the point that um, one of the southern counties, they wanted to put in a new road someplace that didn't need to go there. There wasn't a road there. No one ever drove it. And the county commissioners, when they got turned down, just got into a and made a road to BLM land. So 20 years ago, when Outdoor Retailer, the outdoor industry trade show, where people go to buy backcountry skiing gear and tents and sleeping bags and where the North Face and Patagonia. Uh, show their wares every year, in both winter and summertime shows, finally, um, the state has gotten, or the the industry has finally figured out that they're putting up to $45 million per show, Mm. or per year, into a state that hates what they stand for. (laughs) Um, Peter Metcalf, uh, who was the president of Black Diamond, and who was the state's poster child for successful outdoor companies, um, finally stood up and, and in an op-ed said, outdoor retailer needs to leave Utah because of its stance on public lands. Um, and, and that created a little bit of, of out, up, uproar and outcry, and, and it, but it's been something that's been talked about on the show floor for decades. I mean, it was almost funny that we were putting money into a state that hated us. I mean, other than you know the locals in Salt Lake City, you're you're literally hated in some other sections of the state, um, and and it you know we knew it. It was it was a joke. Well, finally, a couple other people jumped on board, and and when um, Yvonne Chenard of uh, the founder owner of Patagonia stood up and said, "Yes, I agree," that was the linchpin, mm. uh, and so outdoor retailer and many other. Uh, trade show company, or uh, excuse me, manufacturing companies, had a meeting last Friday, conference call with the governor of the state to say, "Are you going to change your position on, um, you know, public lands?" And the governor said no. And so the last show for 20 years um, is going to be this summer, and then the show is looking for a new place to move. So, so the big discussion is is go to Mandalay Bay, where Interbike is, Mm -hmm. where Emerald Expositions, which owns Outdoor Retailer and Interbike, has a lot of power because they have so many expositions or trade shows there. Or go to Denver. Um, The issues with Denver is Denver's expensive uh, for the attendees. Uh, It's it's expensive to fly into and expensive to get a hotel room at. It's very similar to Salt Lake uh, versus Vegas is cheap, but Nevada doesn't have that much of a better environmental record uh, than Utah. They aren't standing up and, and telling BLM people to leave their county. but um, So it's going to be interesting. So tie it uh, into Interbike then, Jim. Where where does this link in with
0: Interbike? Why is Interbike said, well, we ain't going to Utah?
3: Well, once that outdoor retailer made the decision that they weren't going to stay in Salt Lake City, Interbike has for... Um, many years now been looking at to see if they should move and pat huss the executive director of interbike sent out a press release says if outdoor retailers not going to be there then interbike will no longer consider moving its show to salt lake Hmm. i don't ever think that there's an awful lot of things going on in salt lake that are a little crazy in the show industry but when the trade show is the biggest thing that happens in the town it sort of controls the town um you know, every everybody knows that when outdoor retailer comes to town, nothing else happens except outdoor retailer because it puts so much money in a small community. Uh, hotel room rates double. You know, if you book a hotel room the week before or the week after, um, it's going to be eighty nine, one hundred and twenty nine dollars, and the week we're there, it's one eighty nine to three hundred and eighty nine dollars. It's an expensive place to stay that week because mm-hmm. there's no place else to go. Well, now that Interbike's not going there. Um, then, then that's going to be an interesting thing. One, Salt Lake's going to lose an awful lot of money and the opportunity to make even more. And two, it's probably, I can't believe that Interbike's going to leave Vegas, no matter how much people say it's not a cycling town. When you're in a trade show looking up at the ceiling and the, you know, the, the lights are all the same, the carpeting is the same color even, um, the air sort of stale and recirculated, Uh, It doesn't really matter what city you're in. It's only when you leave for the first 10 minutes to go out before you line up to get a a meal someplace. Uh, It doesn't really matter, I think. But uh, Interbike will be staying in Vegas or moving to Denver also. If Denver gets the big four, it's going to be interesting. I don't think that will happen, but I could be wrong.
0: Okay. Anybody feel strongly on
2: this topic? Yeah, it just goes to show that these companies are really sort of, as the saying goes, putting their money where their mouth mm. is. You know, their customers are all about nature and hiking and skiing and camping and biking and, you know, um, doing all of those things. And this state is very vocal against it. I would even say it's, I don't know, I, I don't know enough about it to say worse, but worse than, than um, Nevada because... Utah is actually going against all of these national monuments and and things, whereas Nevada is just not really doing anything about them. But, Mm. um, but, you know, good for them and good for all these companies for standing up for the environment and Mm. their customers and what their customers want. And, um, you know, here in their press release, it says that um, they generate more than 45 million in annual income impact. And the outdoor recreation economy in Utah adds more than 12 billion with a B in direct spending, supports 122,000 jobs in the state and pays 3.6 billion in salaries and wages and contributes more than 856 million in state and local tax revenue every year. So if you have companies that are thinking of moving or not doing as much business there, I mean that's significant mm. for a state. I mean mm. that that's huge, um, you know. But but bravo to these companies for for getting together and standing for for what's right. And it kind of goes with Patagonia, you know. Back on Black Friday, um, they were donating their sales, their profits to environmental causes, mm. and their customers stood up and recognized. They thought they were going to get you know one to two million in um, in sales. They ended up getting ten million. In sales, because their customers recognize that this this company was sort of standing behind what they wanted, so I think the customers will will be really happy for this and support these companies even more.
0: Hmm.
4: I think that's absolutely true. Amen. I think that, uh, the, you know, the thing about Utah is that this is this is a state of two halves, right? It's a, it's an outdoor playground to anyone who has ever been there, but it's also a state with. One of the worst gender pay gaps in the country, and ranks near the top of just about every league table for prescription drug abuse. and I, I think that you know what we haven't addressed so far in this discussion is is the 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 mindset that is dri- driving this public land sell-off and and it's really about one thing, and that's fossil fuels, mm-hmm. which also makes no sense considering the amount of air pollution in salt lake city and and the contribution that excavating for fossil fuels, contributes to global warming, which will ultimately impact utah more than than other places because of the number of people that work in the outdoor industry so i think for these shows to to consin- either continue in salt lake or to use it as a consideration for where they might move to is really it, it, it would be incongruent for them to continue to go there um because it doesn't represent the, their own values and so it's absolutely the right move and and it's it is part of a larger picture of corporate social responsibility I think and sort of fits right in line with other examples of this that we've seen like the NBA pulling the all-star game away from Charlotte because of transphobic legislation so i think it's absolutely the right move and i think as donna said that that they will be rewarded for this by customers who who do subscribe to the values that they espouse
0: mhm okay thank you Right. Um, I'd like to introduce a, a mountain biking report from the UK. And that was done by, well, they used to be called Cyclists Touring Club. Uh, they're now called We Are Cycling, or they're called Cycling UK, but their, their tagline is We Are Cycling. And they've, they've been given stick in the past by, uh, because of their name, Cyclist Touring Club, uh, of being only interested in, in touring cyclists, or in fact, they've been very active in mountain biking. Uh, for many years, with uh, a variety of of paid positions to actually go and increase the amount of mountain biking in the UK. Now, they've um, produced a report uh, last week, and it's a fairly thick report, so I can't go through everything. But the the thing that's stuck out, so this report was they, they basically went and interviewed a whole bunch of people about mountain biking. And the thing that's uh, struck most of a chord with uh, with the media when they've reported on this um, particular mountain biking report is how riding mountain bikes keeps people sane. I mean, I guess that's that's good for all of cycling, but um, I suppose mountain biking has has a little bit extra in that you don't have to worry about so much about. Uh, uh, cars on the road trying to kill you, you if, if you're gonna kill yourself then you're gonna be hitting rocks and stuff by yourself but you can pretty much control your own uh, destiny when you're you're mountain biking so i just like to go around the table really and and we kind of did this last show in in some respects where we talked we, we introduced mountain biking but let's just go again and i'll actually start with asia and just say asia do you as well as your we know your road cycle but do you go mountain biking too
5: i don't I don't go mountain biking. It's something that I've always wanted to get into to try, but I never—I just
0: never did it. So Why now, not? Why, you've got to tell us more than that. Uh,
5: well, I guess I haven't really taken the initiative to acquire a mountain bike or borrow or find a friend. I don't know. I just, I just haven't done it. The most I've done is I recently did a an unofficial cyclocross race on a mountain bike, and it was super fun, but then I was sick for, like, weeks after <laughs> Um, cause it was
0: also cold and rainy, but
5: whatever, you know, California.
0: But if, if you've got these, <laughs> if you've got floods have wrecked some of your, your road riding routes, does that not say, oh, maybe I should go and do some off-road stuff?
5: Well, my understanding is that after it rains here, the mountain biking isn't actually that great.
0: Uh-huh, you okay. have to like
5: wait until it's not a mess, uh-huh. but I might have that wrong. I don't know. I don't mountain bike. <laughs> hmm.
4: I think that's true. Yeah. Okay. I, th- I cool. think that is true. And sim- similarly in Colorado and other you know places that are generally arid, um there's a it, it's not it's not a rule necessarily, but it's an it's an unwritten rule that you'll get the stink eye from other riders if you if you go out and ride trails when they're wet. It's a, it's a phenomenon that we can't possibly understand here in the UK.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, that went flow right the way of my head. You do what? You don't go out when it's raining all right. Okay. Yeah. You won't go out then. OK, so, Chris, tell us about your mountain biking.
4: Oh, I have a a, a long and storied history of mountain biking. I think I I, I think I started riding off road even before I started riding on the road. And it, it, I did it in a very sort of Gary Fisher Marin style because I'm from the I'm from the coast of New Jersey, where beach cruisers are are the, the primary form of transportation for getting around. And I, I, when I, I lived in the mountains of Pennsylvania, and I had my beach cruiser up there, and because I lived on a dirt road that had some trails around it, I used to ride my beach cruiser on the dirt roads and the trails. And I didn't, I didn't know any better that that's not what what that bike was used for. So that was my introduction to sort of off road riding. And then I, you know, took that with me as I started in the industry, and um, you know, got into single speeding at one point, and uh, and then riding cyclocross bikes in completely inappropriate circumstances off road. And so yeah, I've been a big advocate of of mountain biking and I don't, I th- I'm a bit dubious about this report, I have to say, only because I'm not quite sure that it's, it could be all that objective. Well, I certainly agree that riding off-road it means that there is an element of, of uh, or a perception that it's a safer version mm-hmm. of cycling than mm-hmm. riding on the road. Um, so that much I definitely agree with, but I, I just, I think it's, it's a bit dangerous to say that to 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 ascribe some sort of a psychological benefit from this particular report, when everything that we know about the psychological benefits of exercise or mm. that any form of exercise can can actually help maintain your mental well-being.
0: Yes. Yeah, I I, I agree. It's exercise in general. I would have just kept it to cycling, but you're right. It's exercise in general. Unfortunately. Yeah. But yes. Uh, and and Donna, what what. What mountain biking are you doing?
2: I'm watching my better half um, come back from mountain biking. Does that count out my window right now? Oh, that counts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's an associative
4: thing. So, yeah.
2: Right, right. Does that make you happy? (laughs) um, It does make me happy. All right. took the dog out. (laughs) See? (laughs) took the dog out. They went mountain biking. They came back in one piece. That makes me very happy because sometimes he doesn't. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I, I don't the whole good health thing in our house, I, I, I don't know. I've patched up enough things that I'm not sure that's right, but, um, but, uh, no, I don't mountain bike and, um, but there, my better half does an awful lot. So there's, there's my spiel.
0: Okay. And Jim, I know you mountain bike.
3: Oh yes. I love mountain bike. I, I love getting, getting outdoors. i love, Making my mind leave the problems that I deal with. I used to say when I would work as a whitewater raft guide, I'd leave on a Thursday or Friday and go down and work during trial season, which was year round if I could. You know, that it was that wasn't working. It was just therapy, you know, because you put yourself in a stressful situation like mountain biking does and or rock climbing or anything like that. And when you get back, it allows you to reorder your life and say, gee, you know, these things that have been putting me down really aren't that bad. I'm, I'm healthy mm-hmm. and I'm alive and I may have some scrapes or, you know, my arm's working differently or sticking out at an angle right now. But I'm, I'm really basically in really great shape um, and your life gets reordered. It, it is. I, I do believe it is mental therapy I, and, and I do believe it keeps me sane.
0: Jim, Jim, can, can I? Just, I, I want to stop you there because I, I know where you live, and you live in an outdoor town. It's a, it's a, it's a fabulous place to live if you're an outdoor person. So, just tell me this: uh, why do you sometimes take a road bike out, and sometimes take a mountain bike out? What's what's going on in your mind there on the, those two choices? Given that the where you can ride is 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 fantastic for both.
3: Time. Cool. Um Mountain biking requires more work, in my opinion. I.e., it takes me 15, 20 minutes to get ready to go road bike. Um, it takes me uh, 0 to 15 minutes to get to where I want to road bike. Um, mountain biking, it requires you know, a half hour. And so I mountain bike for a day. I go someplace new or fun, or I go someplace a little bit farther away. Uh, I rarely mountain bike for just... Getting out of the office, getting out of work, and going out for a quick ride—I do that on a road bike. The mountain bike is more of a, um, you know, uh, you know, let's go do something exciting. Let's go. It's for
0: recreation, sure. whereas maybe road biking yes. is practical a bit more.
3: Exactly, exactly. Mm. Now it doesn't mean I haven't done that. I, you know, at one point I lived right next to some great mountain bike trails, and so I would recreate there. But mm. that's that's pretty rare. Mm.
0: No, I completely agree in that uh, if I go out mountain biking, it's pretty much going to be, I've got to kind of really get prepared for it. I've got to get a camel back. or are to get, you know, you've got to do a bit more. And it, it actually takes probably 45 minutes for me to ride somewhere where I can actually physically mountain bike. Whereas I can do an hour road bike ride and I've done everything and I'm back. And, and I've only just yep. started if I'm mountain biking at that. So it, it's a much longer activity for me. To to do it that way, so yeah, I agree there. Um, we are coming up to about an hour of uh, of recording this show, and it, it always amazes me at the, how time flies when you're having fun, of course. Um, and what we have done for many, many uh, of the 150 shows that we've done, we we end up by uh, doing tips and advice and stuff like that. And David's not here because poor David has uh, has got a back problem at the moment and he's 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 sat up somewhere, propped up somewhere, and he he can't go out and he can't do stuff, which which obviously isn't fantastic for somebody who is an outdoor person. Uh, but because he's not here, then um, we don't do that anymore. <laughs> it's kind of uh, tips is when David does a show and <laughs> when I'm on the show, we don't do any tips. However, what I would like to do is instead of tips, talk about... Strava. In that uh, there's, there is a link here. In that uh, Strava has just hired um, Instagram, uh, one of Instagram's um, uh, main guys, and, and people are now thinking. And I, I did a story on this in, on on Biz, uh, a guy called Kevin Wheel, and he's a mega mega athlete, and he's he was previously on Twitter as well. He's like a real. I called him a social media guru, and that kind of excited uh, some of his friends, and they started calling him a guru. And uh, he quite liked that, I think. Anyway, uh, he's joined Strava. And the, the safe money is that even though Strava is kind of social now in that you can share it and stuff, with him on board, they are obviously planning to go even more social. So they're getting into that, um, that, 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 that zeitgeist position of being absolutely key to the people who use it and, and to, to share so I'd like to go around the panel and just, as we talked about mountain bike use, let's talk about whether you do or you do not use Strava. So I'll, I'll go back. I'll go in the same order as the, the, the previous question. So I'll go straight to Aisha. Are you a Strava user, Aisha?
5: I am a Strava user.
0: You've, you've got to tell us <laughs> and more. And that's all that. I have you've to say to, about that. Yeah, yeah. What, do you use to your it? question? You just Is asked it, <laughs> it, Are you using it kind of, <laughs> professionally? Are you using it to absolutely track? every the the minutiae of what you're doing so you can come back and you can plot your heart rate. Is that how you're using Strava?
5: Um I mean I use Garmin Connect for that. Um I do use Strava solely for social purposes. Um just it's fun. I think it's fun. Um and it's a nice way to look back and like see what you've done and compare yourself to yourself
0: or others. Mm. It's 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 nice. I enjoy it. I do enjoy using Strava. And you're using the social side of it. So are you sharing your rides with people, as in? I share my
5: rides with people. I look at other people's rides and click the thumbs up or leave a comment if something is interesting to me. I'm, I enjoy it. Yeah. Do you think and it could become? I don't know. More it's social? Thing, I'm pretty awkward, so I don't talk to most cyclists <laughs> um, on a regular basis. But I feel like Strava gives me something to talk about. I'll comment on a ride or a segment or something that they've done. And I feel like I have an engagement point. So yeah, I don't know.
0: And are you a multi-year user of Strava? You've used it all the time that you've been a a, a cyclist.
5: Um, I've used it all the time that I've been
0: racing. Mm. Yeah. Mm.
5: I feel like I've been cycling since before Strava, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure a lot of most people have. um, But until I became a serious cyclist, whatever that means, I think I
0: wasn't really interested in using Strava. So, so d- do you have it on, have it. You, you? if you don't mind me asking, do you have it on a phone? Do you have it on a watch? Where Where do you physically have Strava?
5: I am so overly connected in general. So <laughs> I have it on my phone. It's on my computer. <sighs> and I have a Garmin that as soon as I'm done with my ride, mm. will load onto my Garmin connect via Bluetooth, which will sync with my Strava, which will sync with my nutrition. It's just all ridiculous that it's, it's all connected.
0: So you've got, you're going for <laughs> a, a, like an hour or a ride, and 20 minutes of that ride is actually setting up your your your. Various no, it's tech-
5: all set up already. Okay, it's, it's so you- set up. It's done. It's it's just it just happens now. Okay, which is good because before the Bluetooth, they would just sit on the Garmin and it would never make mm. it to Strava, and I was fine with that.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> so it's the convenience of it. <laughs>
0: OK. And I can't remember the exact order there, but was it was it uh, was it Chris next on that the mountain bike question? So, so for yeah.
4: Strava. Yes, I do use Strava. Um, I, I will expand on the, the the answer a little bit, because I think that this appointment to the board of someone who is clearly a, a bigwig in the tech industry is quite strategic. And I think that this is because this is a prediction just mm. so you know, I think this is because Strava sees what is happening with Zwift and mm. wants to develop a similar platform. Yeah, good and point. all of this ties in really, really nicely. There's an academic here in the UK uh, who's also a cyclist by the name of Andy Ted. And a few years ago, um, Ted he talks. was helping. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> He's just a gift for that, isn't he? Sorry. But Sorry you just, it's
4: just you just need an extra D on the end of your hand. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was he was helping me to develop a
3: yeah. I'm um, just on T and
4: K. Well, I'm gonna help you out here because when I was at Trek, oh, he he was he was helping me to develop a a social media workshop for bicycle retailers in order to help them use social media. Uh, as part of their overall marketing for their stores. And back then, he said to me something that I think was um, really forward-thinking and is now coming to light, which is that he had, he had a theory that he called Social Media 3.0. And the idea was that when social media first came about, it was it was very sort of one-way. You sort of posted things out to people that mm-hmm. followed you. Um And then 2.0 became this really interactive thing where you started having conversations over social media platforms and adding things like pictures and videos. And he said he thought that the natural follow-on from that was going to be this 3.0 idea, which was that people would start using social media as a form of recreational activity sharing, where you might be, from a distance standpoint, not anywhere close to a group of people that you know, but you'll meet online, so to speak. And do your activity together or at least share your activity together. So everyone decides to go out for a 50-mile ride and they all track their individual 50-mile rides on something like a social platform and then sort of fit it all together and talk about it later on. And I think Zwift is a perfect example of how this 3.0 idea is starting to come mm. to come to fruition in that you, you don't even have to do separate rides. You can now just electronically do the same ride and compete with each other and compete with other people. So my prediction is that this is a move by Strava to push themselves further into that um, that that active social media realm. Hmm. Good one.
0: Yeah, I like it, Donna.
2: I do use Strava. We have a thing in our house that says if it didn't happen on Strava, it didn't happen, and that's mostly for us <laughs> and all the other mountain bikers that uh, that Neil rides with. But um, I have a little different spin on this. Yes, Strava, I think, to Chris's point, is, is probably trying to get into that recreational activity sharing a little bit more. But also, this is going to have huge benefits for Instagram, which is where, um, where Kevin works. Mm. He's the head of product at mm-hmm. Instagram. And Instagram is having an interesting growing pain where Snapchat is far exceeding and taking over what they would hope it would in the marketplace. And, you know, Instagram has started with their stories to um, keep up with Snapchat and to be a little more hip and... um, uh, better for that younger generation or more palatable to that younger generation, if you will. Mm. And so I think that a a combination of these two technology apps, if you want, the technology, um, this will be interesting to see how they benefit each other. That's really what I'm trying to say. Very long-winded way of saying it's going to be very, very interesting to see how they benefit each other. And I think you will see... Different functionality coming out of both apps mm-hmm. in the not
0: too distant future. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And last but not least, Jim.
3: Well, based on Donna, I don't exist. Um, I don't.
2: Oh, know. yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I, well,
3: you never I, ride. Maybe device. just
2: all your rides didn't happen. You <laughs> yeah. know, they never yeah. happened.
3: <laughs> if it didn't happen on Strava, it didn't happen. It I didn't happen. happen. Um, you did
4: <laughs> I, <laughs> Yeah, wow, this I has just cough. become a very paradoxical conversation. <laughs> I
2: know. That's uh, just in, in our house, words.
3: Jim. Oh, okay. Good enough. I, so your answer is no, you, no don't. you don't. Is that what you're saying <laughs> there, Jim? I Yeah, the answer to the question <laughs> is no, I don't. <laughs> um, and I don't – I post a lot to social media, but I very rarely respond except to my own posts. I haven't gone to my own Facebook page in a month. Um, I, I jumped off in August for um, – for uh, for sanity reasons, I just knew that I would go buy a gun and start shooting people who, if I was staying on Facebook or some of those other social things, so I didn't want to do that. So I haven't really been on, and I've been off, and I use it for work. I post for work, but I and and I don't use Strava. I use Garmin, but I don't use any of the social things on Garmin either. Garmin's always you know uh, technology, and their their equipment is always the best in the world and on their, their, uh, social media and their website, they're always the last of the party, but I don't do any of that. Um, I, I don't need people to tell me how to work harder or better. And I don't mm-hmm. want to tell anybody, I mean, if, if I don't crash on a bike or skiing, I think it's a phenomenal day. Um, and, and. <laughs> And when there are seven-year-olds on three-wheeled bikes out there beating my time, um, and since they won't allow me to post what I used to do on my Ford Explorer, um, you know it just has no value to me. So
4: mm. you're like Schrödinger's cyclist.
3: Schrödinger's cyclist. Okay.
4: You exist and don't exist at the same time.
3: Right. I I am a figment of someone's imagination. It's not but also mine. potentially of, there. And potentially there—that's even better. And potentially there.
0: See, Jim, we didn't actually mention. I mean, that—that that is one use of of Strava, where you've, you you try and beat other people's times or you beat your own time. You get your personal best, etc. But clearly, you don't. There are other things that you can do on Strava. You don't have to be always aiming. That's what Strava gets an awful lot of stick about. That kind of uh, racing—you know, ignoring everything else around you and just trying to get personal best on a on a on a sidewalk, you know, route that kind of thing it gets a bad name for you don't have to use it for that but you're saying that's maybe one of the reasons why you don't use it
3: yeah i don't i don't need anyone to look at how slow i am
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, but i look at it too as as like aisha did that that i look back on you know if i'm training for for a big walker or something like that I, i look back and say oh how many miles was I doing by, by this time? Or, Mm. um, so I use it for that too. Cause I can't remember anything, you know, I'm old and my brain, you know, my memory is bad. So Mm. that really helps.
3: But but it's
2: nice when you win the little fake awards, like when you hit a PR,
3: mm. no? Well, I I, I know my PRs based (laughs) on whether or not I can find my keys and open my car door. Okay. If it, if I'm laying next to the tire and I can't open the tire then door, you hit a
5: PR?
4: I hit a
3: PR, so that's not what it's called.
4: Fair enough. You don't um, need
3: Strava, Jim. Okay.
4: Yeah, I'm totally and, and, gonna start. I'm gonna start calling Strava trophies alternative trophies.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> but but more importantly, um, I, I just don't see any need to share that information.
5: You know you uh, don't have. To you don't have it. to share it. Yeah, yeah. You well, can turn it's that bit off. Well, fun just for you. Mm-hmm. Also, but I mean, none of those.
3: None of the websites do any good at looking at whether or not you're accomplishing anything. If you hire a coach, the coach says, "Send me your Strava stuff, or your Garmin stuff, or whatever it is," and they download it and they put in an Excel spreadsheet so they can actually work with it. You know, all you can do is compare a couple of, of days, weeks, whatever. And you really can't look and see, you can't delve into it until you get rid of the, the, the advertising and the crap and download it to an Excel spreadsheet and start playing with it. Look at, oh, that's why I got the overuse injury. That's why I did something. It's still, I mean, a Garmin spreadsheet, if you want an, or a Garmin, an Excel spreadsheet, is still the only way to track what you're doing to figure out and look at things on a comparison basis. Mm. How many people ride the same ride every day? Well, you know, in Garmin, you can only compare the same rides. You can't go out and and so I look at how many hours, what my average heart rate is, and then start looking at the miles. And then you can start looking at things and figure out what you did or didn't do right, Mm -hmm. you know, versus how somebody else thinks I should be doing something right or wrong.
5: I mean, I feel like it's all the same data that you find um, from the Garmin stuff it's not any different it's just displayed in a different manner and i think you can do most of the same things on strava you most people just choose not to
4: mm-hmm. well
3: and, i don't know i
5: feel like you can I, th- I feel like you can use it in that fashion if you want it to
3: i agree it's the same data that's on garmin but as garmin they've gotten many emails from me that say this data is worthless in this form i need to be able to it <laughs> with it uh,
4: I think that we're I, overlooking the best use of Strava, and that is to ride yeah. around in random patterns so that you can draw marriage
3: <laughs> dinosaur. And pictures of a penis. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That I have I failed miserably at.
4: <laughs> so maybe if you if you tap into your creative side, Jim, mm. that's the way for you to use Strava.
3: I'm gonna try. There you go. <laughs> There is no Does that mean you don't side. have a creative, no you creative
4: <laughs> you could You could figure out a way to ride in a route that allows you to, to draw the scales of justice. <laughs> <It>
3: would, <laughs> I would only be able to do one thing. It would be similar to your anagram. It would start with an F, and it would end with a K, and it would be a fire truck in the middle. Then I'd say to the world, you know, I mean, I'm not – it's not my <laughs> – I have that's a lot really of sides, too, too, folks. But that's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i i do use strava and i used it today in fact on my on my ride and i've only really just started using it in that i have been a i've said on the, on previous times on the show i don't use uh, measuring devices on my bike i just go out and ride my bike and now i am uh, i've i've come round to to doing this and that's because we've got this insurance policy me and my wife and uh, it in effect rewards us for uh actually inputting our data we get points if we do more exercise and oh, the more points we get the less insurance premium we pay for our, our life insurance because they want us to be fit and healthy that's yep. what they've signed us up to be we're fit and healthy people so we get less we pay less for our insurance so they we had this unbelievably incredible deal on uh an apple watch it was just cheap as chips it's just unbelievable and every month that I actually exercise enough, I don't have to pay for the Apple Watch. But I've got to do a fair bit of exercising to get the Apple Watch for next to nothing. But it's in their interest for me to exercise all the time because then I'm less likely to fall down dead and they don't have to pay any money then. So it's it's totally in their uh, their interest to, to keep me fit and healthy. And I just looked at this policy and thought, well, if I do a ride, not, I, don't, I, I work from home, so I can't ride to and from um, my house to work, because I, I, I live here. But if I go out for a ride, every two days at least, at most for half an hour, and if it's an hour, then even better, I'll get a free Apple iWatch, a free Apple Watch. So it was like a, it was a no-brainer. So I'm now using Strava because If I use Strava, it then connects to this insurance company's app, tells them that I'm cycling, gives them my heart data. Bingo, I get all these points. So I am now using Strava.
2: So Big Brother is watching?
0: It's all anonymized and it all becomes, (laughs) I don't have to give Uh them my actual data. So it goes, it just stays on Strava and then it kind of links and I'm I'm saying that, but you're right. I, I have no idea what, what I'm giving. I absolutely could be giving them everything, couldn't I?
2: No, I mean I think it's a great concept. I'm just very cynical about things like that and share oversharing and. Mm. Um, I don't. It's just the cynic in me. Donna. Well, Apple Watch.
1: I'll share anything.
5: Using it as like a support network, which I think is pretty cool um like cheering each other on and like encouraging each other to ride and there are different levels to cyclists and the folks that I'm in trying to encourage to ride are usually the folks who aren't super independent already as far as cycling is concerned where they just like that extra push or that extra like having somebody cheer for them so I think Strava is really cool for that, too. And it kind of helps them feel like they've done something because mm-hmm. they have. And they can see it visibly.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, we are at the end of uh, another 150th fascinating show. But we are at the end of uh, another fascinating show. And uh, I'm going to go round the table and I'm going to ask people where, where we can get in touch with them, where we can find them on Strava, perhaps, uh, where we can, we can find their Instagram posts, all that kind of stuff. So how, how tell us how you're going to be social. And I am going to go uh, in the opposite order to the last time. So I'm now going to bring in Aisha first as the, the newest member of uh, the roundtable. So how do we find you, Aisha? Didn't and, I go um, first last time? Did you? I, yeah. I, I've forgotten. Well, let's just go for it again. Now. It's in order
4: of seniority this time. <laughs> oh. Not about, uh, not about the general question answering. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, Aisha's, Aisha's first if you Aisha's go. Aisha's <laughs> first. Anyway.
0: Yeah. So uh, how do yeah, we, how I... do we find you?
4: Okay. Uh, I am
5: on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at I suppose it's a pun. So it's A-Y-E-S-U-P-P-O-S-E. Um, and my website is aquickbrownfox.com.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. That's how you find me. Thank you. And I, I'm, you've now totally confused me what order it was before. So who cares? So, Chris, you're next. I might even get the right order. <laughs> you never right. know. No,
4: you're, you're right. You're, Am you're, I doing right? Fine. Okay. you're doing, fine. Yeah, yeah, you're doing fine. fine.
0: Chris, 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 Chris. Uh,
4: across multiple social channels, I can be found using F-bombs like commas <laughs> as punk-ass CG. Mm-hmm.
0: OK. And <laughs> I probably had Jim next.
3: Is that right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, I can be found on Facebook and Twitter and online, based on some combination of recreation law, recreation dot law, or recreation law. Can't found, be found. these found on Strava. Can't be found on Garmin. Um, as, as I tell my my people when I'm giving a speech, uh, let's talk law because morals and ethics confuse me. <laughs> okay
0: and donna same question
2: same question um you can find me on twitter and instagram at donna tosi t-o-c-c-i um and you will find a lot of dog pictures on my instagram but but twitter you'll find a lot of other things
0: okay cool thank you and i am carlton reed all one word r-e-i-d on at on uh, on twitter and bike biz is one of the day jobs and i'm kind of sometimes on instagram um but very very rarely um and and that be me for uh, this particular episode which has been 150 show 150 of the cycling spokesman cycling roundtable podcast and uh, we'll be back in a in a a couple of weeks. And we have now discovered to, to those people who were saying, you know, why, why were you missing so many shows? And that's because I was emailing people to say, do you want to come on the show? And nobody replied. And I thought I I was Billy no Mates. And uh, I've since discovered, (laughs) that that might be an English idiom for you haven't got any friends. Uh, I've now discovered that it wasn't that we people were ignoring my emails. It was that my Mac, my, my Apple email account was not doing the group email so i assumed everybody was getting the emails i not answering and in fact people were just not getting the email so that's why we didn't have a show for a wee while it was just the emails weren't getting out there so hopefully we'll be more regular now because uh, i will use a different method for for getting in touch with all these and the other fine folks that uh, appear from t- time to time on the spokesman cycling roundtable podcast so So perhaps in two weeks we'll have uh, the current crop of people or new people, but we'll have people. That's the main thing. And uh, the show notes uh, at the-spokesman.com. That's where you'll find the show notes. And uh, an awful lot of show notes have been uh, mentioned uh, through the show, and they'll be added into the the show (coughs) notes that go online. But for now, thank you very much to everybody who's been listening. Uh, Thank you very much for subscribing to the show. Thank you very much for passing on and being sociable and passing the details of the show on. And uh, get out there and ride. Wonderful, thank you.
4: I'm really sorry about the demise of the tips because I was all ready to drop one about riding through puddles.
0: <laughs> I have a tip. <laughs> Donna, you have a tip every time. You're the only one that comes to school with an apple I for teacher. I stress
2: over it, but I had a tip, so uh, I will just use it next time. It's an evergreen tip.
0: Okay.
4: What was it? What was it? Uh, no, no. She's going to keep her powder dry. No, 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 I'm not telling. <laughs> but what if I can't make the next recording? I mean, I... Can't dangle the to carrot listen. like that and listen yank to it, it, it away then you'll have to listen. listen to the show well let's just hope your emails start working Carlton so that <laughs> yeah. I know the show well, actually I like.
2: yeah I oh, like geez. how Carlton is like the fun uncle you know like David's like dad who's like you must do a tip and Carlton's like yeah, no you don't have to do a tip it's okay <laughs> <laughs>